Hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's Julie Knudsen with the podcast, Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 149. Today's episode is going to be dedicated to one topic. And because this is sort of early spring, it's going to be the topic of running your dog in uh, field competitions. Uh, For some people, it's just no big deal and they're real comfortable and they go do it and they take whatever comes and they leave. And for a lot of people, particularly when you're new, but very often, even when you're not new, the game day nerves and some of the, you know, because so much unexpected kind of thing can happen to you, it can be real nerve wracking. It's different. I came from a horse family. And on a on game day on a horse, I didn't do it. My sister was world famous. But you're up on a horse. And so you have, with your hands on the reins, you have a fair amount of control over what this animal does. When you're running a, a field dog, you kick that Hummer out into the field and he can be 50 yards or 500 yards away from you. And so you don't have all the control that you have in a lot of other things you do. You know, if you're in uh, athletic competitions, you have a lot of control because it's you. You and the ball or you and the bat or you and the skis or whatever it is, you have a lot of control. This deal where you're running another creature and it you send it off to do these things on its own with absolutely no mechanical control whatsoever, it can be uh, pretty nerve-wracking. And a lot of times people wonder, you know, oh yeah, I was, I've competed in sports all my life or some other level of competition. Why do I get so nervous running these dogs? And it's because often because of what I just said, because you're not the one driving anymore. I mean, you are figuratively, but that dog, you send them out there and they've got to go do the work that you've prepared them to do. So that can be, that can be a scary thing. It can be a scary thing, trust me, even when you've done it a lot, because again, you're banking on the work that you've done behind you. That's part of what you're doing. And that's not what we're going to talk about on this podcast. Most of my podcasts are talking about that, banking all that work, all that preparation, so that for those of you that compete, You know, you have a good account in the bank and you can withdraw whatever you need to. You've got the preparation, you've got the training, you've got what you need. But that's not enough because on game day, even though you're not the one doing the marks and running the blinds, you're the one that's, you know, aiming the weapon and pulling the trigger and deciding when to handle or not handle or what direction to point or how to influence. There's a lot of stuff right there. So it can be a little bit scary. So what I want to do is just for people to take with them uh, on game day. This is game day now. So the assumption going into this podcast is that your dog is trained for whatever it is you're doing. They are prepared. Whether you're doing the entry level on retriever events, which is generally single marked retrieves on land and water and not terribly complicated, long, difficult ones on the entry level. It's birds thrown on land and birds thrown in the water, and they should be fairly straightforward. Sometimes they can not be. Sometimes your judges can do kind of screwball things. 
So that's where your preparation ahead of all this, do that uh, so that you're ready to go do whatever it is you're going to go compete in. So what I want to... What I want to do here is, sorry, I had to shut the door so we didn't have an interruption. What we're going to do is talk about two aspects of this, two aspects on game day for being as successful as you possibly can, for not being the one that causes the failure. Because if you're prepared, usually it's us that brings about the failure. It, now, sometimes just stuff happens. Dogs have a bad day, the bird rolls somewhere. That's a part of the thing. You can't change that. That's the nature of anything with living things. But what, what we want to do is have you do as much as possible that's helpful toward your dog carrying out the tasks that it needs to so that you are successful, so that at the end of the day, you get your ribbon or you get your placement or at least you finish, you get all the way through. So let's talk about that. Then I'm going to use some examples. I'm going to start both with the highest level and the, and the shortest level. So you're going to your event and you're at the entry level and maybe you've done a couple of these. Maybe you've just watched. By the way, when you watch, it looks so easy. You just walk up to the line and sit down and signal. And then bird goes down and your dog goes and gets it, comes back. Like, what's the big deal? After you've done it, you find out what the big deal is. Because it's not easy. It is not easy. I've done it for a long time, thousands of times. And I never think it's easy, ever. So it isn't easy. So we're, you're, you're, you've watched some of these, it looks easy. Um, you've, you've been training with a good training group and you know your dog can run, do the single marks and delivers the hand and does all the stuff you want, right? So what's to worry about? Well, lots of stuff, lots of stuff. So, well, not worry about, but be aware of. I, I don't really like the worrying thing, but you go to your event and this, this is gonna be an entry level hunt test thing we're gonna talk about. Okay, now this applies to you guys you know, running amateurs and opens too. But so you're going to go and you want to pass this started or junior hunter uh, stake that you've entered. For one, I wouldn't think a lot about anything. This is game day now, right? You can just feel like you got the best dog in the world. You can be scared. You can be whatever you are. But on game day, you just need to be the person running your dog. So when you're going to come to this event, we're going to talk about how to, how to gear yourself up to be as successful as possible. One, don't think stuff. Don't, don't look and see who else is there. Oh my gosh, there's four pros here. Oh no, their dogs are going to be so good. Don't do the worry thing. Don't do anything. Go park your vehicle somewhere, right? Where you're not have 87 million people going by you and dogs barking and everyone peeing on your tires. Park your vehicle with your dog in it somewhere where they're, you know, if there's shade, if they need shade, where they're going to be okay, where they are not watching the test. One, that's illegal. Two, that's not advisable even if you could because then they get themselves all worked up and it's just not a good thing. So Park your vehicle. You know, if you have to walk a little ways, walk a little ways. Unless, of course, you can't. Um, but park it somewhere so that your dog is going to be quiet and resting when it's not their turn. 
Then what you want to do, and we're talking, I don't care whether this is uh, started or whether we're trying to qualify for the master national and we're looking at the, a very hard master test. Go, if get there on time, a little bit early. Go up where the, where the setup, where the line's going to be. You know, if I can, I get there and watch the judges as they're walking out and, and, you know, setting up stuff and doing some practice throws. I'll go watch that. I'll go watch that on a junior hunter. I'll go watch it if I can. And, I'll and I'm, when I'm doing that now, I'm watching. I didn't come there to chat with everybody or to hear about somebody's latest new puppy. I want to just go watch what they're doing. So what is happening now is you want to go and look at the location where the first series is going to take place. Just go look at it. Go look at the, where they have holding blinds set up. See how that is. Do they have five holding blinds lined up? Do they have one? Is somebody's truck the holding blind? See what that is. See where you're going to be sitting with your dog waiting when it's your turn to go. Look at how what you have to negotiate. Do you have to walk by the gallery where there's little kids running around throwing stuff? Is there a better, but the best way to get there? How many holding blinds? Then there's the line. What does the line look like? What does it look like? Is there a mat? Is there not a mat? Are you supposed to stand on it? Do they have it marked? What, what does this look like? And later when they run test dog, you're going to want to go up there and stand there, but I'll get to that. So look at all that stuff. Now let's look at the marks. Let's just say we're, at a, we're running a junior and it's the land series. And so you walk out, look out there and look at the stations. And where are the stations? Are they behind holding blinds? Are they just open? Are they uh, behind cover? What are they? Become aware of that in your head. Get that in your head, okay? And then watch when they're either doing the practice throws or doing just to make sure everything's good like they do. When there's a test dog that's going to come up, watch each individual bird be thrown. Look at the, the details of this. So what is the sequence of events, right? The judge signals, do you hear a quack? Where did Junior Hunter, let's say you hear a quack. Sometimes you don't, sometimes they don't have quacks there. Then does it, is there a winger out there or is someone throwing? Because wingers have sounds and throwers generally don't. If your dog has never had a winger, that's gonna be an unusual sound for them. Be aware of this. Now, just watch, is there a quack? Then do they throw and then do they shoot? Is there a quack or no quack? Do they shoot and then do they throw? Get that into your head. And the reason I'm saying this is when you are actually running your dog, you want to be aware of the mechanics out there so that you do the best to make sure your dog gets the maximum view of this bird going down. That really counts in the master. It counts in the senior and it counts in the junior. So watch what that is. What's the order? So that it's very clear in your head. Darn, they don't shoot till that thing is almost coming down. So maybe the gunshot won't get them the attention out there that I need. So I need to make sure that my dog is pointed the right way. All the stuff you need to think about so that they see this. But have it in your head so you don't, when you go run your dog, it's like, well, I didn't realize that. I didn't know none of those. Don't allow any of that. So watch what that goes. Now, 
Also watch when you're watching either, you know, the setup or the test dog run or the, and I hope the dog, first dog and the second dog and the third dog, if you're not that, if you are up early, you need to be over there studying that test dog really well at every level, including the beginning. Other things to look at. So here, the bird, there's two of them out there. You, and now you see what, you know, what the order of events is. What's the background? Is it, does it break the skyline? so that you get this nice bird view against the sky? Is it against all dark stuff? Are you all back east? Good Lord, it's always, everything's against dark stuff. It, how, how easy or hard is that to see? Be aware of that. Sometimes when they break the horizon, and now I'm breaking this down into detail because I do this every time I run a dog on anything. When it breaks the horizon, from the dog's perspective, are they going to think, is that going to be deceptive? Because sometimes if it breaks the horizon and they go running out, they think it's further because when they get up close to where the mark is, there's a, another big dip and another big hill out there. Maybe that looks like it landed over there. Is there anything that could be misleading or challenging for the dog? Think about this. You're not running the mark, so it really doesn't matter what you see. It matters what your dog sees. So when they run test dog, get as much as you can over where you, close to where you would be standing and running the dog. You know, don't interfere with the test dog, but get close, get back. I mean, be the, be the obnoxious guy. Get up there where you can see it. And then if you can see it from the dog's perspective, not yours. Because at at six foot or five foot or wherever you are, that is definitely a lot higher than, than 20 inches where they are. So what you see up high may not be what the dog sees. So if you can, especially like maybe if you're, if you're watching standing behind the test dog, get down and see what that dog is seeing. That may be of unnecessary because it's just so straightforward or it may make a difference. So make sure at every level, you just know what your dog is seeing and you put that into your head, what it looks like, not to have something else to worry about, but to make sure that, you know, that, that bird on the right, that dog, that's against nothing but those dark trees, very difficult to see. So I need to make sure my dog, I do everything I can to make sure that dog is looking when that bird goes off. So that's very useful to become aware of the details of the marks that are going down with regard to what your dog's perspective is. What are they going to see? What does this look like? What order does it happen in? You also really want to do this so that when you do go up to run your dog, you already know what's happening. You're not just walking up, sitting down, and then finding out how this goes because you were so nervous you really didn't pay a lot of attention to the test dog or the earlier dogs. Pay a lot of attention so that when you're up there yourself, it's not the first time you're up there, figuratively speaking. You know exactly. Know where the bird lands. Okay? Don't just see the bird. Yeah, okay, it's out there. If you are focused on watching the bird and then seeing where those, the, the bird on the right lands and where the bird on the left lands, if you're aware of that, believe it or not, your dog is more aware of it. If you're walking up there kind of like, okay, let's see what's happening, that's the same way your dog is going to be. So it's advantageous to you to be very, very focused. Okay, that bird is landing right there in that dark green area. 
and and know that's where it goes and watch it going there so that when you're running your dog your focus is in that direction just like remember in my past podcast if you heard when you're aiming your your rifle you know you become the rifle and you're sighting down that thing and you become the trajectory to that target it works that way with your dog so just be focused know where those birds land if you're in a stake that runs multiples where you have doubles or triples or sometimes quads know where every bird is supposed to land tends to land might land when the wind comes up know that it might roll a little bit over that way if you're there when the wind's gusting remember the order <laughs> that sounds trivial when I'm saying it, but I don't know how many times I've, even in training, but it tests when somebody goes, which one, what, which one's first? Oh my goodness. If you come up to the line with that lack of focus and lack of intensity, it transfers directly to your dog. It absolutely does. So know the order, watch, concentrate. What I'm talking about right now with all this stuff means you aren't talking to your training group or the other guys you haven't seen in a while, talking about their new uh, dog trailer that they got and what kind of gun they're going to get for hunting. You know, you got the rest of your life to talk about that stuff. When you have this chance to study and go to school on the setup and the bird placement and the mechanics and the sounds and the sights, you will be fully invested in that. And when you run your dog, they can just step into this in, this focus spot that you have created and carry it out the same way. So that's why you want to not be chatting, talking and all, you know, like I said, after you get your ribbon or you at the end of the day and it's done and you're successful, talk away Talk about everything you want, but identify and fully, fully ingest the setup that is there. Even if it's two singles on a started test, because that's the way you transfer that to your dog. That's just a fact. So do that on the test. Now, now there's one more thing, but I want to talk about, we're going to transition a year dog number 14 and you watch test dog, you watch some pickup dog, then you watched the first five or six on your series, and you feel like you know exactly what's happening. And you see, you know, sometimes that that bird on the right lands in different places. So I'm aware that that happens. I'm watching dogs, and I see that if they overrun, they disappear, and then they come up over by the other one. You watch those things. Let's say you're in a one of the mid you're in a senior, right? And here and so, when dogs are running, they get they go get the last bird down, and if they overrun it, they come through and they wind up hunting over by the other fall. If you saw several dogs do that, you could be aware. Okay, I got to be careful. One, I don't want to send hard, maybe because I don't want them overrunning anything. Two, if they're gonna disappear into a this this dangerous place, I need to consider if, if I should handle or not. Is it dangerous enough? Does my dog tend to do that? So that's, this is your chance to, to look for pitfalls, look for what might, what, what might happen. And, and it's not like fearfully, it's like, gosh, they overrun that. I'm going to send very carefully, uh, so that I don't just blast them out there in case the decibel level of your voice makes any difference. It should in your training. But just be aware of what dogs are doing so that when you go up there, you're aware of what dogs are doing. 
And so you are prepared if you need to adjust or be ready to handle, or if you know you can't handle, then really don't send too hard. Be careful about stuff. That's what you do there. Now, you've watched the dogs. You've seen what, what's happening. You know what the order is. You know where birds are landing. You know what it sounds like. You know that your dog um, might have a hard time against that, that one dart area. You've seen on the line, okay, where do I want to stand? Am I absolutely limited? Do they say you have to be on this mat or do they say any here up on the wet spot? Should I be to the left or to the right? What gives my dog the best view? Do not line your dog up with a giant bush right in front of them going to the hardest mark out there if you don't have to. So walk in the, in the footsteps of your dog and when you go to the line, make sure you have a plan. I need to be kind of to the left when the, when the first bird goes down, and then I need to be a little more to the right when the second bird goes down. I'm talking about singles now. So they see that. Or if you're running a multiple, where's the, where's the very last bird down that I'm going to be sending for? Where do I need to be standing so that my dog can have the best view? A lot of times I'll stay as high as I can if we got the downhill thing, as high as I can. You know, if they say, well, we'd like you down there somewhere by the grass. And if I can get four feet up higher than that so the dog's view is a little bit better, I'll do it. And if they tell me, no, move up closer, I will. On a walk-up, there's always walk-ups on these things. Have a plan. You know, don't walk too fast so that you're somewhere so low that the dog can't see things very well. You know, you have to walk kind of normal, but just walk wisely. Have a plan by watching what all the dogs are doing. What's the judge's timing on a walk up? Are they all over the place? Are they slow? Are they fast? Be aware of that and do what is best for you that you can do while doing the walk up. So I would break that. I break every test down, you know, always. I look at there and look, all right, this could happen. I need to be here. I think I'll stand over there. I'm going to make sure that I do this. I'm going to approach at this angle. Have all of that mapped out. But that requires you standing over there watching dogs, watching people, watching the test, considering what's best for you. That really helps. Instead of watching a few dogs, going and talking with everybody, and getting all nervous, and not studying that so you've already run the test in your mind a number of times. Now, before you go, I'm going to talk a little bit about before you run. And I'm going to throw this one out, and I mean this really strongly. Do not be the person who does what I'm going to talk about or listen to the person who does what I'm going to talk about. I don't know how many times I've been at a test. I was over running one stake, drive over to run the other, and people come running up to an, oh, my God, the blind. It is ridiculous. It's so, they disappear. You'll never see them. It's almost impossible. And they just tell me what's horrible about the test, and I won't listen. I, I will not listen. If they come up and tell me, it's so easy, this is so easy, it's just, I'm not listening to that either. I don't want anyone else's interpretation of a test but mine. And way back when I was new, I was the same way. It doesn't matter what they think, it matters what's in my head. Because I know what I want in my dog's head. So when I have everybody screamed, oh, the blind is terrible, oh, this is a terrible judge, he always does this and that, and I just, well, okay, thank you, thank you, and get away as fast as I can, 
And I'm going to go up there and do what I said. I'm going to watch. I'm going to see what's happening. And I'm going to see what the blind is in this case. Oh, it's terrible. They disappear. It's awful. I, it's not fair. I, I, they should scrap it. Three dogs had to get picked up. I, I, whatever. I'm going to go watch the blind. I paid. Someone paid for me to go run this blind. So that's what I'm going to do. Whether it's the best blind I ever saw, the worst, or anything in between, I am going to go run this blind. So I am going to study the blind. I am going to watch dogs run. I am going to see where the pitfalls and the hazards are. As, as much as I have time for, I am going to really... If I could, I can I, I'll carry, if I, I'll volunteer to carry the birds out to the blind planter so I can see what it looks like out there from the dog's perspective. But either way, I am going to know as much as I can about that blind before I run it without judging it. Whether I think it's awful and atrocious or I think it's just the best thing or wonderful or I don't think anything at all, I, it doesn't matter. I don't think about it. It is the thing I need to do next. And if you can go into not the judgment and the critique of what the judges are doing, that is a total waste of time. Total waste of time. If you want to critique stuff and whine, do it at the end of the day when it's all over and this is a terrible judge, terrible blinds. Does Do it then. Not right now. We're talking about game day. You paid money to run that blind or to run that set of marks. So do that. And don't put the energy of, of how bad it is. You don't like it. That is not energy that you want to have when you walk up to the line with your dog because they feel it. And they don't sit, they're not feeling, oh, this is a bad blind. They should never set this up. It's not fair. They're just feeling your angst and your negativity. And generally, it then winds up becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy and you lose your dog and the blind is horrible and it's all the judge's fault. So game day, throw the criticism out, throw the judgment out, set it aside for the end of the day and go run the blind you paid to run. Every time. And when all the people come up and start telling you, oh no, and putting this terrible energy into you, well, I don't know why anyone would do that. Don't. Don't, you know, just smile and say thank you and move on to go over and see what you've got to do. See what you've paid to do and then to mentally prepare yourself, become aware, as aware as possible of all the aspects. Now, I got that. Get the naysayers away from you and don't have the critical judgmental energy with you. Save it till later. Before you go run, you want to make a plan. So you've gone out, you've, you've watched whatever level you are. Last series of the open, first series of the started. You have a plan. Okay, I'm going to get to the whole, over to the holding blind areas this way so I don't have everybody, can I pet your dog and all that stuff. Let's just stay focused. This is game day, right? Get the rest of your lives for the fun stuff. Have a plan for where you're going to go, where you're going to sit. And then here's where I'm going to get in. I'm going to walk to the line. I think I'm going to come out on the right side. Everyone's going left. But it seems like I have a, my dog would get a better message if I come out on the right side, if they let you. And then in your head, you've got this plan. Now, that bird on the left is really challenging. So I'm going to make sure that I'm seated. My dog is seated in a spot where it has the best view of that. 
and I'm going to take them up calmly. I'm not going to get all crazy. Oh no, focus. Trying to get, you know, because here's we're off leash now. We're off leash, except for in the very first levels. Dog, you need to be, have a plan. I'm going to walk up this way. I'm going to have them facing this direction. I'm going to tell them to sit. Take my time. Make sure they see stuff. Um, and if you're calm and focused because you know. so have, And then, okay, I'm going to let them look. I'm going to let them look real good. I think they'll see that holding blind out there. That's a really hard one. And then when they are, when the dog tells me, I got it, I understand, I'm going to signal the judges. And go through everything in your head with calmness. This is what I want to happen. This is how I see this to the smallest detail. And then you, you signal and then you hear them raise their clipboard and then you hear the winger go and the duck call. You know you're going to hear that and then here it comes and it's going to land right over there in that green spot. Then I'm going to wait because then I'm, they're going to release me. I'm going to wait for a second or whatever it is you do. Don't just be crazy and just boom, shoot them off. Be like you were training. Do exactly like you're training. Etc. Etc. So have a whole plan. Okay, then when he gets the bird and is coming back, I will not take my eyes off my dog so that something can happen ever. Don't do that. Watching them, I'm going to turn and face the next bird. So they're going to come in this certain way they always do. And then sit down and I'm going to take the bird. I'm not going to be in a rush. I'm not going to disengage from my dog when I take the bird. I'm going to stay with them. The judges behind me can get the bird. I'm not going to turn around, smile, and give it to them all and completely disconnect from my dog. On game day, while running, do not disconnect from your dog at all. Because if you disconnect, they disconnect. So don't do that. So then you're ready for the next. Run this through your mind to the smallest detail. And after you do that, go back and do the same thing again. Because the more times you run it through your mind, then when you go, say you do it three, four times, you're really nervous, six, seven times. Then when you go up to run your dog, it's the eighth time you've done it. It's a little easier not to make mistakes when you've done it uh, eight times. So, <laughs> it, you know, I, I, it might sound crazy, but I'm going to tell you this stuff really works. Because as you go, so goes your dog. So be fully invested in where these birds fall. Be completely into it. Know where it is. Feel like, okay, all right, I feel like I really know this. I've been doing it for the last hour. Great. Do not get into the groups of people where we're going to criticize and badmouth and all that negative stuff. All negative stuff goes directly to your dog. Let's just not do that, okay? If you want to gripe and grumble, like I said, save it later. Put the dog's got their ribbon or they whatever they finished. Put them up, then go just grumble all you want. But you probably find out you don't really want to because you paid to go run this stuff. So run it. Last thing that I'm going to say on this. I get so many questions with, uh, I train a lot of other people's dogs and then it's game day and I've brought their dog. It's on my deal, my rig. 
and you know they're going to go run it in something. And so I always get this question: So should I go take them out and uh, air him and 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 you know they they're all nervous, so they want to get the dog out, and so they think the dog is all nervous, right? And they want to, you know, I gotta I gotta go walking, I gotta go get the edge off of them, and all. And my my response is always, we, I, that never happens in training. We never do that in training. We never get them off and then go walk for half an hour and let them pee, put them up, whoop, one more time, out. That is not what we do in training. In training, we get them out, we let them air, gear them up, go do the work. Maybe stake them out, whatever, let them air at the end, put them back. Do what you always do. Don't do something all different. And if they're, if they're amped up, really, it's, then they're always amped up, which is normal. But if you're amped up, so you want to go take a big walk with them, go take it without them. But don't do things that are different from a normal training day. Because then the dog will behave differently from a normal training day. So, so do, do the things that got you there to run that stake. Don't do things different. Don't, you know... <laughs> Like I said, don't it, do what you do in training. And in training, you know, if you walk them forever and ever and ever, you know, it must be nice to have that much time. Then do whatever you normally do, but don't make it different. Oh, okay, I, if you gotta go, like I said, if you're all angsty, go walk three miles. Go walk for half an hour. Go walk for an hour. Do something to get the angst out. Plot, plan, strategize in your head. But with the dog, with our athlete. On game day, let's do what we always do. Let's do what they know. Let's keep them in that consistent performance mode that we have created. So be careful of that. And when you're done, do the same thing. You're done, leash them back up, take them back, water them, air them, put them back away. Even if you just love them and they did so great and you want to just be, don't do things differently. And then your dog won't do things differently. So to summarize this stuff, it's been a long, t- a, lot, a lot of chatting, but I wanted people to understand the detail of stuff, particularly from the dog's perspective, is to study and know it so well that it's kind of getting tedious, right? Break whatever it is you're doing down into its individual pieces, right? No matter if you got a quad out there with a double blind, you have four singles and two blinds. And that's what you're going to run. So break down each one of those. Know the order that you plan on picking them up. Remember, don't fall into the deal. How many times I've seen it? You know, I have a big, especially on the upper levels, you know, you have triple or a quad out there and and somebody goes up first and, oh, the dog I have to handle and it was terrible. And then a pro goes up there and they pick up an order you've never seen before and they're real successful. Everyone after that, it picks it up exactly like that. What you need to do is pick it up in the order that you would pick it up while you're training. Do what you always do, even if other people are doing other things. Um, now make sure that what you're doing is the wise thing to do, right? But always do what brought you there. Don't just follow blindly because you're so nervous. That's why you often stay away from people and they're talking. Go break this down. Okay, last bird down is this one. 
next longest bird, however you, you should have a scheme in your training. You know, we always get the shortest bird next and then the next shortest bird and then the longest bird is last. Or, you know, what if you're an outside, outside, inside, do what, have a way of training and then do that. That's why you have a way of training. I don't know how many masters I have gotten through the crazy first series because they know I always get the last bird down first, even if the flyer is over there just a little ways. I get that one first so I don't have the hassle. The dog isn't arguing with me because we always do this way in training. So have your way and then do it on game day. Break everything down. Make sure you take your dog's perspective in. Learn as much as you can about the terrain out there, what, what's out there so you know if I need to handle, where should I handle. Can I? Maybe I can't handle it all, so I really need to make sure we're communicating and I'm pointing them straight and they tell me they've got it. Watch your dog, not the birds. I'm going to get this one in. This is a toughie for a lot of people. In the beginning, when I said, go watch the setup, go watch the birds go down. Study, study, study. Know where those birds land. Now, when you're running your dog, whether it's the quad or a single, when you are got your dog seated next to you and they tell you they're ready, they're looking, and you signal, make one check up to make sure that, that your bird lands where all the others have. And that just is a quick glance. Yep, exact same tra trajectory. Stay on the dog. This seems to be so impossible for a lot of people. They're just staring at the bird out there. You're not running the mark. So watch your dog. Make sure your dog sees it. If you know, Make sure they see it. And if you're not looking at them, you don't know if they did or didn't. You cannot run a dog not knowing whether they saw it or not. So your job is to make sure they do. On game day, we are no longer training. Your job is to make sure those dogs see the birds. So that's why you already know where they are. Double check. Make sure you didn't get a weird thing, a flyer that went 50 yards further. You need to know if that happened. Back down and stay on that dog. The dog is your rifle. That's the one you have to make sure is sighted incorrectly and is aimed correctly. So make sure you do that. That's why you study so much and break these things down. And then when you've done that and you've practiced in your mind all the things you're going to do, you're aware where the pitfalls are, and you're not listening to anybody talk about how terrible these judges are or what a stupid memory bird it is or bird, whatever. Don't, doesn't matter. You paid, go play the game that you paid to enter and do that. If you do that, you can't do anything more than that. That's the best you can do. And it's heavily just you. So if this is a big social thing for you, you're not going to be as successful as if you're an athlete with your co-athlete there and you guys are going to do the very best you can. So if you go through this scenario, which takes some time and focus and you can't sit around talking about so-and-so's new truck, uh, it's going to hedge your bets as much as possible to being successful. So I offer that to everybody. It's kind of strict, but you know, you paid money. Let's go pass. And when it's over, then you can just be the happiest, chattiest, talkiest, unfocused person in the world, knowing that you and your dog did the very best job possible. So good luck to everybody. Uh, everybody coming up this season. I hope everyone is wildly successful and that 
uh, you have a whole lot of fun doing it. Because I will say uh, winning, passing, that is more fun than any standing around griping about the test I've ever known. So I wish you the best. And G and I will be back soon on the next podcast.